0: Kia ora, g'day and welcome to the history of Aotearoa New Zealand, episode 8, In the Beginning. In the far off time, before there was night or day, sun or moon, green fields or golden sand, Rangi, the Sky lay in the arms of Papatuunuku, the Earth Mother. For long ages they clung together and their children groped their way blindly between them. There was no light in the world where the children of Rangi and Papa lived and they longed for freedom, for winds that would blow over the hilltops and light that would warm their pale bodies. The closeness of this narrow world at last became unbearable and the sons of earth and sky met together, crawling through the narrow tunnels and caves of their land. They sat down where a few trees sprawled against the sky, twisting their branches into strange shapes. What shall we do? asked the children of the gods. Shall we kill our mother and father and let in the light? Or shall we force them apart? We must do something, for we are no longer babies clinging to our mother's body. Let us kill them, said Tu mata'uinga. Tane stood up and straightened himself until his head pressed against the hanging sky. No, he cried. We cannot kill them. They are father and mother to us. Let us force them apart. Let us throw the sky away and live close to the heart of our mother. This, he said, because he was the god of trees that are nourished in the soil. His brothers murmured their approval, all except Tawhiri the father of the winds. His voice whistled shrilly, as he faced his brother. This is an idle thought, he said fiercely. We are hidden here, in safety, where nothing can harm us. Out of your own mouth came the words, They are our father and mother. Be careful, Tane, for this is a deed of shame. His words were drowned by the other gods crying aloud in the confined space. We need light, they said. We need more room to stretch our cramped limbs. We need the freedom of space. They brushed past Tafiri, while Rongo Matane, the father of cultivated food, pressed his shoulders against the sky, father, and tried to straighten himself. In the darkness, they could hear his breath, fast and heavy, but there was no movement in the body of Rangi, and the darkness hung heavily round the gods. Then Tangaroa, the father of the sea, of fish and reptiles, put out his strength. Then, followed by Humi Tikitike, father of the wild berries in the fern root, and after him, Tūmata'uinga, the god of war and father of man. Their efforts were all in vain. Last of all, Tāne Mahuta, the mighty father of the forests, of birds and insects and all living things that love light and freedom, rose to his feet. For as long as a man could hold his breath, Tāne stood silent and unmoving gaining his strength he stood on his head with feet planted firmly against the sky father and his hands pressed against the earth then Tane straightened his back and thrust strongly against the sky a low moaning filled the air it crept through the gods as they lay on the earth for the sound trembled through the body of the earth mother when she felt Rangi's arms losing their hold upon her The moaning grew louder, until it became a roar. Rangi was hurled far away from Papa, and the angry wind screamed through the space that had opened between earth and sky. Tane and his brothers looked around on the soft curves of their mother. For the first time, they saw her in all her beauty, for the light had crept across the land. A silver veil of mist hung over Papa's naked shoulders, and the tears that dropped fast from the eyes of Rangi were the sign that he grieved for her. The gods breathed the free air, and planned their new world. Although he had separated his parents, Tane loved them both, and he set to work to clothe his mother in beauty that had not been dreamed of in the dark world. He brought the trees, which were his own children, and set them in the earth. But because the world was still in the making, and Tane was like a child, learning by himself the wisdom that had not been born. He made mistakes, and planted the trees with their heads in the soil, with the bare white roots stiff and unmoving in the breeze. He rested against the trunk of a tree, and frowned at his strange forest. It was no place for the birds and the insects, who are the merry children of Tane. He pushed over a giant kauri, and set the roots firmly in the soil. Then he looked with pride at its lovely crown of leaves set above the clean, straight trunk. The rustling of the leaves was music in his ears. The earth looked beautiful in her mantle of green. Men and women had come from their hiding places to frolic under the leaves of the Garden of Tāne. They lived in peace with Ranga and Homer Tikitiki. Tāne Mahuta raised his eyes to where Rangi lay, cold and grey and unlovely in the vast spaces above the earth. He wept as he looked upon the desolation of his father. He took the red sun and placed it at the back of Rangi with the silver moon at the front. Up and down the ten heavens went Tane till at length he found a wonderful garment of glowing red which he took with him. He rested seven days after his mighty labours and then he spread the red cloak over the heaven. From north to south, from east to west so that Rangi glowed brightly but he was not satisfied the garment was not worthy of his father he stripped it off leaving only a little at the end of heaven where you may see it at the time of the setting sun by day Rangi was good to look upon and Papa watched her husband with pride but at night Rangi lay dark and shapeless until Marama the moon shone upon him great father cried Tane In the long dark nights before Marama shines on your breast, all things sorrow. I will journey to the end of space, my father, that I may find adornment for you. Somewhere in the silence far above, Tane heard an answering sigh. Tane remembered the Shining Ones who play in the Great Mountain at the very end of all things. He passed swiftly to the end of the world. Out into the unknown, where the smiling face of earth could be seen no more. Out into the darkness, until he reached Manganui, the great mountain, where the Shining Ones, the children of his brother Uru, lived. Tane greeted his brother, and together they watched the Shining Ones playing on the sand far below the foot of the mountain. Uru listened as Tane told him how Rangi and Papa had been separated, and how he had come to beg from his brother some of the shining lights to fasten to the mantle of the sky. Uru rose to his feet and shouted so that the sound of his voice rolled like thunder down the mountain slopes. The Shining Ones heard. They stopped their game and came romping up the mountain to Uru. As they came nearer, Tane could see them rolling over and over, for every shining one was shaped like an eye, an eye that glowed and twinkled, lighting up the whole mountain. Uru placed a basket before Tane and they plunged their arms into the glowing mass of lights and piled the shining ones into the basket. Tane picked it up and went swiftly towards his father. He placed four sacred lights in the four corners of the sky, five glowing lights he arranged into a cross on the breast of Rangi. The tiny children of light he fastened onto his father's robe. The basket hangs in the wide heavens, where we can see its soft light. The light, which we call the Milky Way. It is this light that shelters the Shining Ones and protects the children of light. When the sun sank to rest, the stars twinkled brightly, and Tane lay on his back and watched his father shake out his robe till the heavens were filled with the beauty of Rangi and the glory of the Shining Ones. While Tāne and those of his brothers who had clung to Mother Earth were happy in their newfound freedom, black-browed Tafiti Mātea held the winds in the hollow of his hand and bided his time. He saw Tāne wandering idly in the forest. Far out at sea, he saw his brother, Tangaroa, who lived at peace with his grandchildren, Ikateri, the father of fish, and Tū Te the father of reptiles. He rose and towered like a heavy black cloud over the distant sea and land. He opened his hand and hurled the winds across the empty spaces and swept down from beneath his father's robes, wrapped in dark storm clouds and flashing lightning. He rushed over the land, the trees bent as the first winds reached them. Then came Te Matea and the tempest. The trees were uprooted and when the wind died down, the forest lay in a tangled desolation. The storm god swept on the brink of the ocean, the water boiled and surged in sudden fright. The waves rose until the sea seemed to empty itself and dissolve in the storm of flying spray and tempest rack. The sea bottom appeared in the gaping valleys between the waves and Tangaroa and his grandchildren fled down the valleys of their undersea kingdom. Tutewehiwehi cried, let us fly to the shelter of the forest, but Ikateri replied, the sea is our only hope amidst the anger of the gods. So were the children of the children's children of Tangaroa divided. Tutewehiwehi fled with the reptiles to the land, while Ikateri hid his children in the sea. As they parted, their voices rose above the screaming teferi Fly inland, shouted Ikateri, fly inland then, but when you are caught, before you are cooked for food, they will singe off your scales with burning bracken. And as for you, cried Tute who run away to the sea, your turn will come. When the little baskets of vegetables are given to the hungry ones, you will be laid on top to give relish to the food. And so, unending strife was caused by Tawhiri Mate, for Tangaroa never forgave his children who fled to Tāne of the dry land. When the winds roar, Tangaroa hurls his waves against the land and tries to break down the beautiful realm of Tāne and cover it. the cruel waves of the sea but when the wind has blown itself out and the waters are calm the sons and daughters of Tane creep out in their boats and sneer the children of Tangaroa that they may be used as relish in the vegetable baskets of the children of men Te anger had not died down he rushed upon two Mateuinga, leaving a trail of destruction behind him the sea roared sullenly and the forest giants lay broken amongst the tangled undergrowth but Tu held himself erect and did not bend before the fierce blasts. Tafiri called all his winds to help him, but Tu defied him until at last Tafiri went back to the Sky Father, defeated by the Father of Man. Tu looked at the broken forests and the beaten sea. I am the conqueror of all, he said proudly. My children shall never fear the children of the wind. The sons of Tane shall be their subjects. The sea will obey them as they ride the waves in the canoes that Tāne will give them. Fish and bird and root and berry shall be their food. I am too. And for this reason, the sons of Tumatauenga are lords of the forest and sea. The swift days passed by at the bidding of the sun, while Tāne fashioned the birds and set them gliding down the wind, until the air was filled with the song of the feathered ones. This was the manner of their creation, but as yet, they did not know where to find food. Tāne called them to him, and told them to fly to Tutu and Karaka, and many others, to feed among their hair. The birds flew off, and there they found rich berries, for Tutu and Karaka were trees, and amongst the forest foliage, the birds still find insects and berries and honey, which Tāne had appointed for their food. The world grew older, and the little-feathered children of Tāne grew in number. Some went down to the sea, and played in the great waters, or on the shining wet sands where land and water meet. But most of them went inland, among the bright lights and cool shadows of the trees, where their voices made the forest ring with music. Some came out only at night, and crept through the gloom while the others slept. Each bird knew its home, and its time for going out, and coming in, its song to sing, and its food to eat. Everyone, until Boasting Kawau, the river cormorant, visited his cousin, the sea cormorant. Kawau of the river was given a fish to eat, but as it slipped down, the spines caught in his gullet. "'Ah!' said Kawau, "'you must come to my hunting place, and I will show you eels that have no spines. In my kingdom,' I have fish a thousand times better than yours. He took his cousin with him, and when the sea cormorant caught an eel and found that kawao's words were true, he begged that he might share the river kingdom with him. When kawao of the river saw how quickly the eel slipped down his cousin's throat, he was sorry that he had boasted so loudly and drove him away. The sea cormorant went quickly, but he spread the news of the wonderful spineless fish that swam in the fresh water of the river's. The seabirds gathered themselves into a mighty array and flew inland to attack the land birds. On the morning of the battle, peetoe the robin called out his warning and the land birds gathered together. Who'll be the scout? asked Kawau. Who'll see when they are coming? I'll be the scout, said Koikoya the cuckoo. I'll see when they are coming. Presently, Kokoya saw a cloud of birds flying in from the sea. The birds heard his cry, and a distant as Karori the gull called back his challenge. Who'll answer their battle cry, said Kauau. I, said Piwaka Waka the fantail. With my fluttering tail, I'll flaunt a challenge. Who'll lead the battle song, said Kauau. I, said Tui. Let Hongi the crow, Taroki the saddleback, Farauroa the short-tailed cuckoo and Cuckoo the Pigeon help me and I'll lead the battle song. When their song was ended, Kawau faced the angry birds. Who'll begin the fight? He cried. I'll begin the fight, shouted Ruru the Owl. With my beak and claws, I'll begin the fight. He rose from his perch and swooped down on the seabirds, with the land birds flying in a great cloud behind him. Fierce was the battle when feathers fell like snowflakes as the sun rose high in the heavens. At last, the seabirds grew fearful, the land birds attacked yet more fiercely until the ranks of the seabirds wavered and broke, and they turned tail and flew to their homes. The mocking laughter of the grey duck rang in their ears as they flew laughed Parera the duck as the gulls streamed out like a cloud unraveling in the wind no longer does the seabird eat the land bird's food and there is peace between them in the world that great tane mahuta made with his hands when rangi and papa were separated and light came in tane had seen the beauty of earth and sky but he was still dissatisfied he felt that his work would be ended only when Papa was peopled with men and women. Children had been born to Tāne and his brothers, but they were celestial, never-dying gods who were not suited to earth in its ways. The gods came down to earth, and out of the warm red soil, they made the image of a woman. She was lovely to look at, with soft skin and rounded form and long dark hair, but she was cold and lifeless. Then Tāne bent down and breathed into her nostrils. Her eyelids fluttered and opened, and she looked around at the gods who were staring at her so intently. Then, she sneezed. The breath of Tāne had entered into her, and she was a living woman. The gods purified her and named her Hineahuone, Woman Created from Earth. Tāne became her husband, and they had several girls as their children. Tiki. The first man was made by Tū Mateuinga, god of war. He became the father of men and women who peopled the earth and inherited all the wonder and glory that Tāne had made for them. If you want to send me feedback, ask a question, suggest a topic, or just have a chinwag, you can reach me through email at HistoryAotearoa at gmail.com or Twitter at History Aotearoa or Facebook at History Aotearoa New Zealand Podcast. Aotearoa spout A-O-T-E-A-R-O-A. Hari tū atu, hoki tū mai, see you next time.